0: 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and we are continuing a series we began a few weeks ago on how to make the biggest difference and so we began this series by talking about how are we going to get there and in the first message we talked about the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. All these messages are on our website, YouTube channel, Rumble, Apple podcast, Spotify podcast, they're all out there. So. Uh, Go back if you missed any. How are we going to get there? We talked about the ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and how all of those gifts are present in the local body. They don't have to be paid staff members with titles. But those gifts, God wants to operate in every church family, in every body, in every area so that we can make a difference. That's where we start, those ministries. Then we talked about what do you have in your hand? It may not seem like much. It may not look like much to you, but God has given each and every one of you something to give back to Him to use for the kingdom so that the kingdom of God will grow. We plant, we water. He's the one who makes the increase. Jesus is the one who causes the church to grow. And then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how your design reveals your destiny. Your design reveals your destiny. And that is what God has gifted you to do. And all of this is pointing to October 22nd, where we're going to be having next steps, where we will help you next steps is all about helping you discover your purpose so that you can make a difference the purposes of our church this is the mission connect to god empower believers engage the world our purpose is to help people know god through our sunday services to find freedom in our small groups and to to discover their purpose through next steps so that they can make a difference through ministry teams that's what it's all about it's scriptural the scriptures lead us in this the holy spirit leads us in this And we are going to continue to make an incredible difference and I believe we can make an even bigger difference in one another's lives here as well as in our community when we discover our design, it will reveal our destiny. So sign up if you haven't been to Next Steps or if you haven't been in a while, come again. We've already had some people that have actually just yesterday we went through Next Steps with some folks. So even if you don't want to wait till the 22nd, we will do it with you when you are ready. So today we're going to talk about the source. For effective ministry first Corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 through 9 this letter is from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an Apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Sosthenes I'm writing to God's church in Corinth to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts, the gracious gifts he has given you. Now that you belong to Christ Jesus, through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership with his son Jesus Christ the church is full of ministry the church is full of ministers I'm thankful that CFA does not fall into that 80 20 trap some of you may have heard that people gripe and complain and they say oh in the church most local churches 20 percent of the people do 80 percent of the work that's not true around here we have So many people that are using their gifts and involved in ministry because that's the goal of the Lord That's what the Lord wants and that's God's plan To grow the church and to build the church and to grow the kingdom of God. So we're incredibly blessed We believe everybody's a minister not just those who are on staff with titles. Everybody who follows Jesus is a Minister everyone has gifts. We believe in what the Apostle Peter called the priesthood of all believers All believers are priests, all believers are ministers, every Christian. And you can be used in ministry if you don't realize it this is what we want you to realize you can be used in ministry and you can be effective in ministry and we have so many small groups because we believe the small group method is the ideal because you can start a small group you can lead a small group you can lead something that you're interested in we don't operate in such a way that the office or the denominational office or the church office says this is what we're going to do you do this this is what we're going to do you do this no we operate in such a way that we find out what people's gifts are we find out what people's interests are and we help them use their gifts and their interests for ministry because Paul said we have every gift that we need we have every gift that we need right here in this body and so if we all realize our gifts we realize our passions we use them in our interests to serve one another then then it's just going to happen and if you're not leading a group but you're part of a group there's ministry opportunity right there in that group Just as you live together and walk together and share together and pray together and study together and do activities together, whatever it is your small group does, there's the opportunity to minister to one another in that group. So we're gonna look at 1 Corinthians, these opening verses this morning. Corinth, the church at Corinth, as Paul said and as we've read, was a church full of ministries, a church full of gifts, full of ministries, but they got off track sometimes churches sometimes get off track people get off track ministries get off track it happens the Corinthians were human they believed in the gifts they exercised the gifts but they got off track sometimes so as we look at the church in Corinth we can learn to be a group of Christians who believe in the gifts and practice the gifts and hopefully avoid repeating their mistakes now I don't I don't really like labels because if I label myself and I say I'm this kind of a Christian or I'm that kind of a Christian no matter what term you want to use there are so many different definitions for one term so I can say I'm this and that's going to put 50 different ideas in some people's mind or our church is this kind of a church and that's going to put 50 different ideas in people's minds and I have met with other pastors and become close friends with other pastors whose label on their church door is completely different than mine. And they might define different theological terms differently and different aspects of theology and doctrine and practice differently. But when it all comes down to it, we are basically doing the same thing and practicing it in the same way. But a few years ago, there was a book that came out by an extremely popular preacher and author who I'm not very fond of. I'll just be right open and honest with you. The guy's name is John MacArthur, okay, he is a pastor in California, and he has a lot of good things to say, but he has some things that I just completely and totally disagree with. He believes that the gifts of the Spirit cease to operate after the apostles. He not only believes it, he not only preaches it to his church, but he preaches it and teaches it in an absolutely harsh, unloving, condemning way, and that's what I don't like. If he just disagrees with me that's fine but he's got to go on a soapbox in front of the whole world and basically condemn anybody who has a different point on the view of the Holy Spirit so he wrote a book a few years ago called charismatic chaos and he basically just threw a blanket of condemnation over anybody who might be his brother and sister in the Lord who believes in and practices the gifts of the Spirit and I don't like that and yet and yet I have known there to be some charismatic chaos sometimes, <laughs> right? But I'm not gonna throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm not gonna throw the baby, I'm not gonna deny the word of God for the sake of sometimes individuals and in churches who get off track because that's not what Paul did. Paul was writing to a church in Corinth who believed in the gifts, practiced the gifts, and like we're talking about, wanted everybody to know what their spiritual gift is and use their spiritual gift, but then they got, they got what we might call super spiritual where they wanted to always be one-upping one another. They didn't want to receive gifts from one another. They just wanted to show everybody how gifted and how spiritual they were. And so Paul had to bring them in line. But in bringing them in line, he did not condemn the use of gifts. He's, and I'm not going to get all the way into chapters 12 and 13 and 14, but that's really where he gets into it. He says, hey, keep using the gifts, but use them in this way. Don't use them in this way, but use them in this way. So I want to avoid charismatic chaos while still welcoming and embracing and encouraging and developing the gifts of the Spirit. So the city of Corinth, the church that this city was in was a little different than ours and yet human nature is the same. The city of Corinth was a port city. So Corinth, Corinth was not a small town in a rural area like ours. Corinth was San Francisco. Corinth was New York los angeles miami corinth was a port city people always coming and going from other places lots of sin lots of decadence it was extremely wicked they were very arrogant they were very intellectual they were very wealthy and the chief religion the vast see the church was just getting started you didn't go to corinth and look for the christian church or the assemblies of god church or whatever church you wanted to go to there wasn't any church until Paul went to Corinth and some people began to believe in Jesus Christ. They were overwhelmingly worshippers of Aphrodite. It wasn't a minority. It wasn't just a small part of the population. The vast majority, nearly all of the population, were ardent, faithful, committed, dedicated worshipers of Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And part of that perverted and demonic way of worshiping was, they had temples. And in the temples there were quote, consecrated prostitutes. And so if you wanted to get close to the God and become more spiritual, you would go to the temple. And you would pay money, and you would have relations with a consecrated prostitute, and thus your crops could be blessed your business could be blessed the economy of the city would be blessed the economy of the home and this is what they believed this is what they practiced and the church in corinth was started by paul along with priscilla and a team of others and the original members included some jews who had been living there worshiping according to the laws and the ways of moses But mostly this church is made up of the ex-pagan Gentiles who did go at one time in their lives and were raised to go to the temple of Aphrodite and worship her. And sometimes they struggled. Sometimes these new believers, they came into the church, but they struggled to leave that old life behind. They struggled to leave the old teachings and the old practices that resulted from those teachings behind so the pride of Intellectualism seeped into the church. Well, we're from Corinth. We're better than everybody else So our church is better than the church at Philippi and our church is better than the church at Thessalonica and by the way I'm better than you That's what was going on and the wickedness of the city seeped back into the church They were saying they were believers in Jesus, and Paul is writing to them as brothers and sisters, but they are living in sin and practicing sin. And the pride of their spirituality had seeped into the church, so they think themselves better than everybody else, and they're living in sin, calling themselves Christians, and they have this arrogant stench of spiritual pride about them. They were messed up. And they even got to a place there in Corinth where they thought that they had exceeded the revelation of the Apostle Paul. Yeah, those things Paul said when he started the church were good. Those teachings were good, but they were just foundational. I mean, who's Paul anyway? They thought they could, be, they thought they could get to a place spiritually above the sins that they were committing we can be so spiritual and so in tune with god and our spirits can be such in one with god that we can do anything we want with our bodies and still be okay with god because it's all about the spirit it's not about the body that's heresy but that's where the corinthians were going so they were allowing themselves to develop a theology that allowed them to sin and they defended it and they were charismatic The gifts of the Spirit were flowing. All the gifts were flowing like crazy, but they were charismatic sinners charismatic sinners so there was charismatic chaos going on in Corinth but Paul did not advocate eliminating the gifts he taught them how to live right he taught them how to minister right he did not give up on them they were still useful they were still vital to the ministry in that community and I'm telling you today you are useful every one of you here today every person every individual you are useful and you are vital to the ministry in this community We are not called to come to church and sit in a pew. We are called to find out what our gift is so that we can fulfill the purpose He's called us to do to make a difference. That difference might be in our home, that difference might be in our church, that difference might be in our community, but you're useful, you're vital. So, in spite of the fact that the Corinthians were sinning and they were committing fornication and incest and suing one another, and they were believing in an eternal security that allowed them to sin without consequence and they were horribly divided and without unity in their church Paul starts off the letter in a positive way he's amazing Holy Spirit's amazing the mark of greatness is the ability to stay positive in the midst of some of the most negative and trying circumstances staying positive in the midst of some of the most negative and trying circumstances So I want to assure you today that you can be effective in ministry and I want to share with you today the source, the source for effective ministry. Jesus is the source and Jesus is the fulfillment of every ministry and every ministry gift. Jesus is the source, Jesus is the fulfillment of every ministry and every ministry gift. So as he starts out this letter to this amazing church, he lays out five ways in which Jesus is our source. Five ways in which Jesus is our source. First, Jesus is the source of your authority. The apostle's authority is ours. Jesus is the source of your authority. Verse 1, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Sosthenes. So Paul is dictating the letter. Sosthenes is doing the handwriting here. The emphasis of this opening line is, paul is chosen by the will of god to be an apostle that word simply means sent one paul is saying i am the one who is sent by god i know what my gift is i know what my call is I was sent by God. He wants you to know what your gift is. He wants you to know what your call is. He wants you to know where you are sent to make a difference. The Corinthians were full of pride. They were questioning Paul's authority. They were questioning Paul's leadership. They were questioning Paul's wisdom. Who is he? He's the guy that came and started the church, but we moved beyond him. They thought they're now surpassing him in every way. They're surpassing Paul in knowledge. They're surpassing Paul in authority. Who is Paul to instruct them? Who is Paul to tell them about the scriptures? Who is Paul to talk to them about their behavior? Yours. who's Paul to talk to them about how they minister. Here's who he is, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that carries with it authority. So from the very opening line, Paul knows he's going to say some pretty hard things down the road here. He's going to say some pretty hard things in this letter, but he says, "Hey, I am an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ and he is the source of my authority and that goes for us. He is the source. Jesus is the source for every gift and every ministry. Everyone in ministry needs to respect authority. Everyone in ministry needs to submit to authority unless there is sin or error that negates that authority. If you are in ministry or if you want to be in ministry, you must be under authority. It is not to hinder you. It is to protect you. Authority is not to hinder us. It is to protect us the small group leaders need to be submissive to the pastors This does not mean that we are the source of your ministry We can't make you have a ministry. We can't do it for you. We can't make it happen. I served along with a state leader in state leadership and often there were Pastors and people who wanted to be pastors. They wanted the district leader. They wanted the state leader to give them a ministry Nobody can give you a ministry except Jesus. I can't give you a ministry. I can help you know what your gift is. I can give you an opportunity to use that gift. I can lay a foundation and we can set up a structure like we have here that opens the door for anybody and everybody to use the ministry gifts that God has given them to. But I can't give you the ministry. I can't do it. The source of your ministry is Jesus and your ministry must be an outflow of your relationship with Jesus. Even if Jesus has given you gifts and he's given you the opportunity to use those gifts, they will not be effective if you're not in a relationship with him. If your relationship with him is not continuous and ongoing. Every one of us, our ministry and the use of our gifts is an outflow of our relationship with him. We have to stay connected to the vine. If we don't stay connected to the vine, there's no life in the branch, so there's no fruit that comes off the branch. John chapter 15. So like the Corinthians who did not acknowledge the authority of Paul we need to acknowledge the authority that God has given us we need to acknowledge the gift of others we need to acknowledge the place of leadership in the body of Christ like we talked about in the first message in this series these are the gifts Ephesians 4 11, and 12 that Christ gave to the church apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ and this whole series is my effort to be obedient to that call I love those verses. God's given leadership to equip and release. To equip and release people to do the work. That's what Next Steps does. Next Steps helps me to fulfill that call. To discover, to equip, to release. It's an honor. So the leaders need to know who they are. Every Christian needs to accept the leadership God has given. The Corinthians weren't doing that. It was causing them problems. Paul was representing Jesus. And they were, going, they were beginning to reject Paul. In rejecting Paul, they were rejecting the leadership that God had given them. They were rejecting Jesus' authority in their lives. So Hebrews 13, 7 says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they are accountable to God give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow that would certainly not be for your benefit 1 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peaceably with each other. Everyone needs to... it, it, it respect the authority that God places over them and the leaders need to equip and release people everyone everyone involved in ministry the family of God is going to grow the kingdom of God is going to grow and we're going to make a difference in our city when that happens so back to the first verse this letters from Paul chosen by the will of God the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Sosthenes the will of God there is a will of God for your life There is a will of God for your life. Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Come, kingdom of God, be done will of God in my life. The will and the purpose and the plan that you have already written in heaven. Let me live it out here on this earth. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. There's a will of God for our life. And we need to pray that we would live out that will. This was God, this was... This was god's will before the damascus road when paul says Chosen by the will of god to be an apostle. He was chosen by the will of god to be an apostle before Before the damascus road before he gave his life to jesus before he surrendered to jesus God has a will for your life his will for your life involves ministry Maybe it's just over the backyard fence, but god's will for every follower's life involves Ministry and Jesus is the source of your ministry second Jesus is the source of your calling The Apostles calling Paul talked about his calling Jesus is the source of your calling verse 2 I'm writing to God's church in Corinth to you who have been called You to you to you you have been called by God to be his own holy people He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus just as he did for all people everywhere Who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. I believe in the call of God. I was 15 years old when I knelt down at an altar in my church right about at this spot in that building. And God called me to preach. It's actually been about 45 years ago now. But I do not believe preachers and pastors are the only ones called of God preachers and the pastors are not the only ones called of God those who serve in our nursery are called of God those who serve in our kids ministry are called of God in every area of ministry those who serve in that tech booth back there they're called of God those who serve on the worship team are called of God those who lead the various small groups are called of God every leader is called of God the church belongs to God more than once we are told we have been bought with a price we have been bought with a price we do not belong to ourselves you don't not belong to yourself it's not up to you to decide what you do and what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do and you don't belong to the leaders we all belong to God because of what Jesus Christ did at the cross the word church the Greek word is ecclesia and it means called out ones so if you're part of the church you've been called out called out of what called out of your previous lifestyle called out of the way the world lives to do what to be set apart to live a different way to be set apart to live a different way in service and in ministry every believer every follower of Jesus is called by God and he says made you holy by means of Christ Jesus to be holy means to be set apart holiness has gotten this Legalistic thing with a bunch of do's and don'ts about it, but holiness literally means to be set apart He has picked us up and set us apart. He's made us different We are purified and that's a privilege. Don't underestimate that. Don't take it for granted Don't just shake it off that you as a follower of Jesus are set apart Keep that purity for power and effectiveness in your ministry inner holiness inner holiness will lead to outer visible holiness And that gives power to our ministry you've seen ministries crumble because the leaders haven't been holy lack of holiness will destroy your effectiveness in ministry it will tear down with one hand what we're building with the other and Paul says he did this for all people everywhere we are in this thing together let me give you an example the scriptures the scriptures teach us that any Sexual activity outside of a covenant relationship between a man and a woman is wrong. Any, any kind. Any kind, any kind of sexual relationship outside of a covenant relationship with a man and a woman is wrong, because the Bible says it's wrong. But why does the Bible say it's wrong? Because God did not deny the sexual relationship for your pleasure. He made it pleasurable as a side benefit just like he did with food he could have said here's your daily pill adam just take a daily pill and you'll have all the nutrients you need and somewhere along the way adam would have said i don't want your stupid pill it would have ended up the same way but he didn't say take a pill he said look at everything in the garden everything it's yours it's for your pleasure he could have made our nutrition so 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 different but he makes good stuff and he makes it taste good and we enjoy eating and we enjoy getting together and we enjoy having fellowship oh eat because god did it so he made sexual relationships pleasurable but that's not the purpose the purpose is to show the relationship he wants with us because see in the old testament he was always the husband and israel was always the bride and when israel worshiped other gods he said you're you're committing harlotry you're playing the whore you're becoming a prostitute against me and in the end after several chances and several adulteries he divorced them, and he came to us Gentiles, us non-Jewish people. And he said, Jesus is going to be your groom, and you're going to be the bride. And so Paul said in Ephesians 5, the relationship between the husband and the wife is the picture God designed. Any other relationship does not show forth the relationship God wants. So when we are, when we are committing sin sexually outside of a covenant relationship with a man and a woman, we are actually spray painting the masterpiece that God painted. We're actually destroying the message that God intended for us to give to the world. Because see, my whole role, according to Ephesians 5, my whole role in marriage is to be Jesus. I'm not perfect, I'm far from it. But my role is to love her in the way Jesus loved the church. That's every husband's role. And the wife is to respond to that love the way the church responds to Christ. Read Ephesians chapter five, that's what it's all about. And Jesus said, we're not gonna be married in heaven so it's temporary in this world to give this illustration now now because i know that's wrong because i know it perverts the plan of god and it also hurts us when we harm the picture and the plan of god it will also harm us it's not how god created us we're going against what god longs for us to do not only physically but we then lack the complete fulfillment god wants us to have but that doesn't mean we hate anybody who's doing anything outside of god's plan does it we don't hate them We're not afraid of them. We know God loves everybody. We know Jesus died for everybody. Jesus offers his salvation to everybody. Jesus wants everybody to have the same life. And so the reason we talk about what the Bible says is not for hatred or condemnation, but to say God's got something better for you. God's got something so much better than what you're experiencing. What you're experiencing is so far down here when God has this up here. Not just what you can experience for yourself, but you can be part of this play that shows God's covenant love with his people But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out to some sign and hold up a parade saying God hates people That's stupid And that's the kindest way I can say it Because those so-called believers who are running around in the streets holding signs that say God hates people they're also tearing down and destroying and defaming the message of God that's not any more holy than a prominent minister who gets caught in the act of adultery but when we fail when we fail to live holy and act holy and we fail to love holy as God desires we will hinder the effectiveness of the entire family of God we will hinder the effectiveness of the entire family go. And that's just one illustration. It could be anger. It could be division. It could be strife. It could be pride. It could be whatever. But Jesus is the source of our calling, and Jesus is the source of our holiness. Let Jesus make the decisions in your life. Let Jesus make the decisions in your ministry. Let Jesus guide you, and that's going to lead to effectiveness and fulfillment. Third, Jesus is the source of our blessings. The apostle Paul talked about his blessings. The apostle's blessing. Jesus is the source of our blessings. First Corinthians 1.3, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Our blessings come from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace in your ministry. Peace in your ministry. Grace and peace in your life. It comes from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The words are charis and shalom. Charis and shalom. Charis, grace. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be serving along with God in ministry. Everything we receive from Him is because of His grace. We don't receive stuff from Him because we're great. We're only great because He made us, He loves us, He calls us great, He chooses to bless us. He's got to be your source. So he not only wants you to have grace freely given he wants you to have peace don't stress it god wants you to have peace in your life god wants you to have peace in your ministry hard times come and they're going to continue to come i have to remind myself of this all the time and i fail but god has overcome every difficulty through jesus christ john 16 in the world you're going to have trouble he promised you in the world you're going to have trouble but be of good cheer he said i have overcome the world it happens but you're blessed And there are abundant opportunities for you to share your blessing in ministry here, in small groups, in leadership, in ministry teams, and in relationships. Jesus is the source of your blessings. Number four, Jesus is the source of enrichment. This is the gift of God's grace. This is where the gift of God's grace leads. Jesus is the source of your enrichment. Verses four through six. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus through him. God has, listen, I believe this is for us, man, I believe this is for us just as much as it was for Corinth. Through Jesus, God has enriched your church in every way. Isn't that good news? God has enriched CFA in every way With all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true So Paul thanks God for the grace upon the people He thanks God for the blessings And he reminds them that God is the one who enriches the church in every way We're lacking nothing when we submit to the gifts and callings of the Lord And he says with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge When you know the situation, you know Paul's chiding them a little bit That's a little dig at them. That's a little tongue in cheek because you see, they were so prideful. They thought that that's what they thought was the greatest about themselves. But Paul's saying it it comes from God. With all your eloquence and all your knowledge, you got to remember it comes from God. So let me ask you a question. What do you think is your strong point? So many times you're like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't have this gift. I don't have that gift. But what's your strong point? There's something you're pretty good at. Now, you might not be like the Corinthians. A lot of people, I mean, they're not like the Corinthians. They so much want to avoid pride that they don't even want to admit something that they might have as a strong point for fear of being prideful. But that's not, that's not pride. That's failing to recognize the call of God. So what's your strong point? Think about it right now. What's your strong point? What are you, what are you pretty good at? Are you using it in ministry? That's the question. Are you using it in ministry? Now, if we get prideful over it, it will make that strong point less effective. Being prideful about it makes it less effective. We need to recognize that our greatest strength comes from the enrichment of God through Jesus. And when we recognize that that strong point is a gift God has given us, you know, some people are like, well, you know, I'm. See, I say all the time, I'm no handyman. I can't fix stuff. I need you guys. I need help. If there's stuff that needs to be fixed and done around here, I just can't do it. You can show me how to do it, and the next morning you're going to have to show me again, because it just don't stay up here. It's going to be like if I tried to teach some of you guys to play the piano. I could show you a couple chords, and you'd come back the next day, and you wouldn't know what I showed you. That's how I am with that kind of stuff. And you're like, well, you know, but pastor, pastor, that's not really a spiritual gift. Oh, no? Oh, no? Go back and read when the tabernacle was built. It's the very first gift that was ever given from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit filled Bezalel with all kinds of skill and craftsmanship. Bezalel was not a skilled craftsman. They didn't have anybody. They were a bunch of slaves and all they were doing was tromping in mud and making bricks. That's all they were doing. They had nobody for 400 years. 400 years, nobody was trained to do nothing but make bricks out of mud and straw. They needed somebody who could do all that stuff to make all those beautiful instruments for the tabernacle. And guess what? The first gift that's ever recorded in the scriptures is being given by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave Bezalel that gift of craftsmanship. And you know what? if everybody could play the piano but nobody could fix the building we'd be worshiping in a shambles building right and you can say that for every gift every gift that's why every one of you needs to know what your gift is and use your gift and surrender it to the Lord in ministry and there were many 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 gifts in Corinth and there are many gifts in this church many gifts in this church and those gifts come from God they don't come from us and finally Jesus is the source of faithfulness jesus is the source of faithfulness verses seven through nine now you have you have listen you have every spiritual gift you need Don't fall into the trap of saying, oh, if God would just send us this or if God would just send us that. He told the church, you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end. He's going to keep us strong to the end so that we'll be free from all blame on the day when Jesus returns. God will do this for he's faithful to do what he says and he's invited you into partnership with his son. Faithfulness is and might be the key ingredient to any any endeavor, any effort. Tony Dungy is a Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy coached the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for many years and he he had good records always had winning seasons always made it to the playoffs always went deep into the playoffs but he never made it to the Super Bowl so like ah there's a ceiling on Tony Tony can't and Tony had a philosophy of coaching and a philosophy of the way he wanted his football players To play. And after several years of coaching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and getting them within one game of the Super Bowl, they fired him. Because they just didn't believe they could get him any farther. As soon as he was fired, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts goes down to Tampa. He flies. He flies Tony Dungy up to Indianapolis on his private jet. He hires Tony Dungy within two days of being fired from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He fires him to be the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And the same thing happened in Indianapolis. Even with Peyton Manning as the quarterback, they could only get so far, and they could never get any farther. And Tony was facing the same criticism again and again and again. He's just not good enough. He needs to change his style. He needs to change his methodology he needs to change his game plan and Tony Dungy said no we're going to just keep doing what we're doing but we're gonna do it better we're just gonna keep doing what we're doing but we're gonna do it more effectively and in 2006 they finally did it they got there and they won the Super Bowl sometimes we don't need to change a bunch of stuff we just need to be faithful we need to keep doing what we're doing keep doing what we're doing, but do it more effectively. How can we do what we're doing more effectively? Don't let up, be faithful. There was a a friend. It's interesting, sometimes you can have friends that are way, way, way apart from you in age. I had a friend who was a missionary in China before I was born. He was a missionary in China before Mao Zedong took over China. He was obviously young at the time, but he was in his 70s and 80s when I knew him. He had to flee China because of the revolution when Mao took over and he went to the Philippines and he did missions work in the Philippines, started a Bible college there, started a Bible college in the Bahamas. He taught at a Bible college in North Dakota. And then he kind of semi-retired about 45 minutes from where I grew up and where my church was. And so he would often, often come to our church, to teach Wednesday nights, to teach Sunday schools, to fill in. My dad, when, when I was really young and we were in between pastors, my dad was the guy who led the church in between the pastors and he would have Paul Davidson come preach. I got a picture of myself, six years old, on a pair of crutches after having surgery on my knee. No, I wasn't an athlete that had a torn anterior cruciate ligament. I just I had a cyst on the back of my knee and they cut it out. So I got a picture of me with Paul Davis... Davidson and his wife, and I'm just about five or six years old, but I knew him well into my ministry years, and he got to know my mom and dad really, really well, and he said to him one time, he said, I'll tell you why both of your sons are in ministry, because of your faithfulness, because you see, there was a time, those times when he would come and preach at our church in between pastors, it had to happen a lot, because the church went through six pastors in 12 years, (laughs) Paul Davidson called the church a preacher killer. But mom and dad stayed with it. Mom and dad stayed faithful. Church is a large church blessing the community today. Paul Davidson said, your your kids are in ministry because of your faithfulness, because you didn't give up. Because you didn't bail out. Because you led and used your gifts. Effectiveness in ministry and effectiveness in using our gifts can only come when we are faithful. Let me give you another word for faithful. Regular. Regular. We all know what regular means, don't it? You go to the doctor. Are you regular? (laughs) Come on, people. Somebody say amen. And if you ain't regular... Doctor's going to give you something to help you get regular, right? Now you're going re- to remember this message. If you thought you was going to go home and forget this message, now you're going to remember this one for a long time. That's what faithfulness is. <laughs> and if you ain't regular, I want to give you a pill. The gospel. <laughs> so that you can get regular. Regular means faithful faithful somebody that can be counted on not hit and miss regular faithful be counted on that's when you're going to be effective if not you're not going to be effective you can be the and i have seen it i have seen people whose gifts are amazing but they're not effective because they can't be counted on they're not faithful they're hit and miss jesus Jesus is the source of our faithfulness. The one who gives us the gift is the one who is able to make us strong and make us faithful to the end. God is faithful to do what he says. He's the source of enabling you to be faithful. Keep your word, keep on keeping on, don't quit. Don't let discouragement defeat you. Deuteronomy 7, 9, understand therefore that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commandments. Hallelujah, isn't that awesome? He's gonna, if we're faithful, And if we love Him, and if we keep His commandments, and if we live that set-apart life different from what everybody else tells us is okay, if we live for Him, He is gonna lavish His love on us. Wow, let us get to that place, Lord, where you lavish your love on us. So Jesus is the source and the fulfillment of every ministry and every ministry gift. He's the source of your authority. He's the source of your calling. He's the source of your blessings. He's the source of your enrichment. He's the source of your faithfulness. Nine times in nine verses, he says Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Nine times in nine verses, Jesus is the source. Jesus is the authority. It begins with relationship. Are you in a relationship with Jesus? Let's bow our heads. It begins with relationship. Now, you may be here today and you may have never surrendered your life to the Lord you may have never come to a place where you've said Lord Jesus I believe your God forgive me of my sins because of what you did on the cross it's as simple as that if if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and if you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead you will be saved you'll be in relationship with him maybe some of you have never had that before maybe some of you watching online it's never happened before Maybe some of you did it a long time ago, but you've strayed. The question is, are you in a relationship with Jesus now? Are you in a relationship with Jesus now? Did you come in here in a relationship with Jesus? Or has something separated you from that relationship? And maybe it's just negligence. Oh, I'm a Christian. How's your devotional life? Phew, oh boy, let's see. Last March it kind of died off and I really haven't gotten back to it. What kind of relationship can you have a spouse that you haven't talked to in five months? There ain't no relationship there. Are you in a relationship with Jesus? I want us to pray together, all together, and then I want us to respond in some other ways that I believe the Lord has led me for us to respond, to actively respond and surrender to His Word today. But first, I want us to pray. And some of you may be doing this for the first time, some of you may be coming back, some of you may just be restoring a relationship that became negligent. So let's pray together. Pray with me right now. Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, I want a relationship with you. Expose my sin. Point it out to me. And I want to repent of it. I want to turn away from it. Even if that sin is neglecting you, I want to come back to you. I want a relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray right now that you'd pour out your spirit upon every person here. Pour out your spirit upon every person here. Lord, let our hearts, let us right now, let us right now purposefully open our hearts and lives to you. Come in, Jesus. Come into our heart. Come into our lives. Build and restore the relationships, Lord. If we've slipped away, if we're not close like we need to be, draw us back, draw us close to you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, let us know on that card so we can pray for you. We can help you walk with the Lord. Let's stand together. There's four areas in which I believe There's four areas in which I believe that the Lord wants us to respond today. And I believe it's important that we respond. I believe it's important that we respond to the Lord. And the first area is we need to recognize our calling. Maybe some of you are here today and you have not recognized a calling of God upon your life. Maybe you need more of it revealed. Maybe you're not sure what it is. Maybe that's a kind of a foreign term to you or you think that, you know, you think that that was just for the pastors or the preachers or the evangelists or whatever. But no, you have a calling. You have a calling. Do you know what it is? If you don't know it or if you haven't submitted to it or recognized it, I'm going to want you to come in just a moment. Second, some of you here, you need to live like you're set apart Bible says we have been set apart all of us we have been set apart for his purpose maybe some of you haven't been living like you are set apart and you need to you need to repent which simply means turn around turn around walk differently walk in a different direction and you need to begin to live as if you are set apart third some of you simply need a greater faithfulness You need to become regular. You need a greater faithfulness in using the ministry gift that God has given you. And fourth, some of you just need more of Jesus. Jesus is the source of all of this. Jesus is the source of all of this. So some of you just need more of Jesus. I want to invite you to come. I'm going to repeat those four things again. And I just want you to come. You can stand. You can kneel. You can sit. You can bow. You can fall on your face our prayer team members just begin to move amongst those that come and lay a hand on their shoulder and pray for the work of God to be done and accomplished and completed in their life. So if you need to recognize your calling if you need to recognize your calling or if you need more of the calling and the gifts of God revealed to you I want you to come. Just step out and come right now. If you need to live like you're set apart You haven't really been living like you've been set apart. You need to walk away from some things and surrender some things and live like you're set apart. Third, you need a greater faithfulness. You'd recognize it. Yeah, I've got gifts. I've been been used in my gifts and maybe even around here recently I've been doing some things. But you need a greater level of faithfulness. The Holy Spirit right now is calling you to a greater level of faithfulness. I want you to come. I want you to come. And then if you just want more of Jesus. You know you need more of Jesus, a deeper relationship with Him. I want you to come. Let's come. Let's just spend some time with the Lord and pray today. And before you leave, if you haven't been to Next Steps, sign that sheet back there or sign up online. Come to Next Steps, October 22nd, three weeks. We'll help you discover your gifts and your purpose and your callings. Jesus. Some more, you need to come and just spend some time with Jesus today. Jesus, let's surrender to Him. Surrender our gifts and callings, holy and anointed one. Jesus, if you're not led to come today, just lift your hands where you are. Lift your hands where you are and give Him praise. Surrender to him. Worship him. Let's fill this house with worship and praise and love for Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. You're so good. Risen and blessings on each one of you and those that are going to stay for lunch for the kids ministry lunch. we want you to make your way there without too much delay if you can. bless every one of you We love you so much. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for your presence as here today. we thank you that you've spoken to our hearts Lord let it come take root in our hearts and grow Lord God. And help us to become more like you each day and to use the gifts that you've given us for your glory, Lord God. Just be with us now as we go our separate ways, Lord. Bless each one in Jesus' name. Amen.